Autism spectrum disorder is not just a U.S. issue. It affects individuals all around the world. Prevalence rates vary, but the same trend is seen globally. The number of individuals diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder are increasing dramatically. The academic community and pharmaceutical industry have taken notice of this significantly growing worldwide epidemic, and they've begun to put considerable resources into discovering the underlying causes of this neurological disorder, and hopefully find some viable solutions for families, and maybe even a cure. You're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Rakuski, your host. And with me today are Professor Declan Murphy, Professor of Psychiatry and Brain Maturation at King's College London, and Dr. Will Sporin, Group Leader, Behavioral Pharmacology at Roche Pharmaceuticals. Today we'll be discussing the European Autism Interventions, better known by the acronym EU-AIMS, a multi-center study for developing new medications. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Very good. Thank you for joining me today. So, Professor Murphy, could you tell us a little bit more about your professional background? Sure. I qualified in medicine in London, and after that I decided that I wanted to uh, have a career in psychiatry. So I undertook further training here at the Maudsley Hospital in London and the Institute of Psychiatry. Did some research, also worked over there in America at NIH for uh, five or six years before returning back to the UK to carry on with my research. Excellent. So, Dr. Sporn, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background as well? Sure. Um, I'm a behavioral pharmacologist by training and um, did my uh, undergraduate work in the Netherlands as well as my PhD. My PhD was in behavioral pharmacology, so really the, the diehard pharmacology. Then I moved to the U.S. I did a postdoctoral fellowship in Rochester, New York, uh, together with Susan Haber on neuroanatomy. And then I got back to the Netherlands, um, worked on stress and related disorders, and um, then I got an interesting opportunity in Switzerland where I then moved into a um, company. And during the course of my uh, my stay there at that particular company, I got in contact with um, Hoffman LaRoche, and they asked me to join um, because of my background in, in MGUR research. So the main reason we're here talking today is about the European Autism Interventions Consortium. Could you tell us a little bit more about this and what makes it unique? Sure. I mean, well, I think what makes it unique is, firstly, that this is a collaborative effort. It's not led by industry, and it's not led alone by academia. It's industry and academia working together. I think that's the first thing. And the next thing is that it's in the pre-competitive space. So in other words, everyone shares all the data. And that's fantastic for making rapid progress. And I'd say the other thing that's unique is that it realizes that there's not um, a unique amount of knowledge that's in just one place that to make real progress, we need to bring together the best brains that we possibly can in the best places from across Europe, and that includes both academic centers and industry, to come together. So in other words, alone, we're not nearly as good as we are together. And by bringing all those different resources and different ways of looking at the same problem together, we can make much more rapid progress by building on our strengths. So you're talking about having a a large consortium of, of brain power there. So Professor Murphy, who are your academic participants? We've got academic uh, colleagues all across Europe uh, taking part in this, within the United Kingdom, within France, within Germany, within Holland. Uh, We've also got partners down in Italy, and we've got 
partners who are in who are what are called small and medium-sized enterprises across Europe as well, including in Iceland. And Dr. Sporn, who are the pharmaceutical industry participants in this consortium? Uh, well, Roche, of course, who uh, is the leader. Um, and then uh, we have Eli Lilly, Servier, which is a Paris-based company, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, that's a J&J um, uh, company, Pfizer, and a company called V4, which is a s- smaller Swiss company that is mostly active in, in Switzerland. So definitely a large and diverse group of individuals from the academic and pharmaceutical industry coming together. So overall, what would you say are your objectives for this five-year project? And Dr. Sporn, I'll start that with you. Well, we have um, several objectives. Um, I think one of the most important objectives that we want to put autism research on the map of Europe um, we have some catching up to do within, as compared to the U.S., where uh, autumn is, is more naturally incorporated in, in the research and is, in fact, very much focused now um, activities within the U.S. That um, is not has not been the case to that extent in Europe. Uh, I think that's what we want to do. Then we want to set up some research lines across Europe um, as well as some clinical research lines And we want to create a clinical network that will allow them to also interact between different countries, get expertise from different countries, and then also uh, that network will then be used for clinical studies, uh, be it from the academic side or from the pharmaceutical side. So, Professor Murphy, what would you say is the overall strategy for the project? I think the overall strategy is to advance our knowledge as rapidly as we can in a number of diverse areas which normally wouldn't talk to each other uh, very readily, but now we are talking to each other by breaking down boundaries so that you just heard Dr. Sporan talk about some of the clinical interfaces. So one of the key things we're going to be doing is bringing together the basic work, the sorts of things that you would be, say, doing in a test tube together with the work in the human so that we can make very rapid progress. So to put that in perspective, what we'd normally do in science is we'd make an advance, say, in the human work. We'd then publish it. Someone in the more basic science work would read about it, would try some experiments, then go for a grant, and then try and advance the work. And that process can take 10 to 15 years at a minimum. Whereas what we're doing is we're putting it together so that we're making uh, equivalent progress in real time. So one of the things I saw when, uh, when looking at the EU AIMS initiative was that you broke this down into six work packages. Can you talk about those and what their structures are? Sure. We have work packages which, number one, focus on stem cells. Those are the ability of us to grow neurons in a, in a test tube. The next package is to try and then convert those into some rodent models, The next package translates those rodent models and the stem cell work into human. And the next work package then applies that work and forms the basis of those clinical trials that Will was talking about. So it identifies the biomarkers we need to target. It identifies the clinical research networks. It trains those research networks to enable them to facilitate later clinical trials. And the last work package is all about the data storage and data sharing. So in other words, it means that if you're in, say, one of the work packages, you can get real um, access to the data in real time so that you can make much more rapid progress. 
So no one sits on top of the data, in other words, we all share it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Rakuski, and I'm speaking with Professor Declan Murphy, Professor of Psychiatry and Brain Maturation at King's College London, and Dr. Will Sporin, Group Leader, Behavioral Pharmacology at Roche Pharmaceuticals. We're talking about the European Autism Interventions Program, better known as EUAMS, a multi-center study for developing new medications. So we were just talking about the different work packages and their structures. So Dr. Sporin, what would you say are the endpoints for each of these work packages? Well, the endpoints are clearly um, signatures that we can use to identify autism and to uh, recognize specific signatures for the treatment that will allow them to bring forward certain targets, and from those targets we hope to do a uh, discovery program. Um, they serve particularly persons there where um, we think that there are different uh, uh, approaches for um, the treatment of autism. They go into the direction of various um, different targets across the brain, but also in terms of uh, treating different areas of autism uh, disorders. They could vary from, for example, treating um, social deficits, uh, but also, for example, uh, repetitive or restricted behavior. Um, and these will allow them to bring forward certain targets, and, and with the targets, we will uh, probably have then a drug discovery program within the pharmaceutical companies and see if we can find leads to treat these um, these behaviours. To try and put that into perspective for um, parents or people who are affected, what we're saying is is that we would try and identify a novel target in some individuals with autism and then we would then try and design treatments which latch onto that target and I think the other novel approach that we're taking is that we're saying from the get-go look we don't expect all people with autism to have the same differences in their brain we expect that different individuals will have a, a variable um, if, effect of, of autism so the idea will be to try and find as many targets as we can which map onto particular behaviours in subgroups of individuals so that rather than treating everybody with autism in the same way, we can try and come up with individualised medicine approaches to specifically target specific differences in particular people. So, Professor Murphy, the endpoints and the work package that you have in, in this consortium, is it something similar that's going on in the United States, or is this wholly unique to the European Union? I think as far as we're aware, there is nothing um, similar that's going on in the United States. We think that this is unique to the uh, European Union at the moment. It's certainly true that in the United States and in other countries, there's work going on around stem cells and in humans and clinical trials, etc. But as far as we're aware, there's no program that's brought this all together. That's the first thing. And the second thing, that no program which has actively brought together industry together with academia in an open sharing of information way. So, Dr. Sporin, this consortium has been together for uh, some time now. What successes and challenges have you had thus far? Well, there has been several successes already. So we had some very nice papers published in high-profile journals. Uh, that's a measure of success. Uh, but success um, really is, of course, at the level of discoveries and progress in the specific research. 
Um, so, for example, in the animal models uh, arena, we have been able to acquire a, several animal models, and we've set up an animal repository um, where we sort of assemble animal models that we develop or acquire. Uh, and uh, through the repository, all the animals are made available to the consortium. So we're, this is a sharing opportunity here. Um, the other opportunity is that we moved from transgenic uh, mouse models to transgenic rat models, which will allow us to give us an extra um, level of behavioral assessment as rat models are more readily to, um, to uh, implement in our natural drug discovery processes. It will allow us to test them on a totally different level. Uh, the other level of success is that we've made several tasks for the translations in the translational sciences arena, uh, where we think that uh, this will uh, appeal to the core of autism phenotype that we hope then to image in uh, and those processes that you need to activate in the brain, we hope to uh, image then in the MRI studies. Finally, I think uh, in the clinical research arena, I think we've, we're um, about to start or initiate uh, some of the biggest clinical trials in the history of autism, which is a major challenge, I think. Uh, so we're looking at uh, two major studies, a baby SIP study and a, um, a naturalistic observational study that will run for the next couple of years, probably four or five years. Uh, and this is just to observe over time how um, autism patients um, develop over time and what their symptoms are and medical needs are over time, which to date is not known. And these two studies will, will pull uh, patients from the European Union? Yes, they, they will all be um, recruited in these studies uh, from the European Union. It's, maybe it's important to say that um, uh, we're very happy with Autism Speaks, which is, of course, the, the largest advocacy group in, in, in the world. And um, they also participate in EU AIMS. Uh, they're always present at our meetings, and we're uh, very happy with the help that we uh, get from them in their expertise and to funnel that in our project. So we're most grateful for U.S.-based contributions as well. Yes, uh, Autism Speaks is very involved uh, in a number of uh, studies here in the United States and glad to see that they're branching out into the, the, the global uh, world where autism prevalence rates, as I said in the beginning, are very large and still continue to grow. I, I would say that I, I absolutely agree with Will on what we've achieved in the first year, but I think to put it into perspective for people who may have autism or their uh, family members who might be listening, I would, I would say this, is that I think we've made progress, uh, very rapid progress, that we wouldn't otherwise have done in, in three examples. One would be that one of our colleagues, Peter Scheifler in Switzerland, discovered a novel treatment target um, from the animal work that Will was talking to you about. We've now been able to take that into man to see if the same is true in man within less than six months. We don't know if it is going to be true, but we've been able to do that within six months. Previously, that would have taken years. We've also demonstrated in a second um, finding that in Adults with an autistic spectrum disorder were able to reverse functional brain abnormalities in adults with autism. Now, until a very few years ago, you'd have thought that just wasn't possible. 
we've shown proof of concept that actually you can do that. And now, of course, the next stage will be to say, are we able, together with colleagues in other centres, to translate that into the clinic to affect behaviour and not just brain function? And last, I would say that we've made great progress together with the regulatory agencies. So, for instance, the European Medicines Agency is now working to see how they can bring in new guidelines uh, as to how new medicines should be delivered. So that's all in less than a year. And I think that in the real world is quite significant progress to reassure people who might be affected or their family members that, you know, this isn't just a bunch of academics or industrial people doing funny experiments. It's actually making progress in real time to help people. My thanks again to my guest, Professor Declan Murphy, Professor of Psychiatry and Brain Maturation at King's College London, and Dr. Will Sporin, Group Leader Behavioral Pharmacology at Roche Pharmaceuticals. We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for listening.